All-American Chelsea Podcast. It feels so good, so good to be back. Start a record label, Miss Fish just did it. Nylon, couple five minutes. Whoa, we are too hot in the business. About to make a movie independent. Need new trucks independent. I need you to listen to the vision. All your verses sound like dirty dishes. I'm about to clean them in the kitchen. And we making money by the minute. I'm about to do a way different. I am just an icon living. I am just an icon living. Living. I, I, icon living. I am just an icon living, living. I am just an icon living. I am not a Mayan, I'm a menace. menace. It's wild, you can lie like a professor. I don't got the time to put you on a stretcher. Stretcher. I am here and I still flesh. Flesh. I am just an icon living. Start a record label, Miss Fish just did it. Whoa, I'm high star, cover five minutes. Whoa, we are so hot in the business. Whoa. Last verse was before the award show. What? Icon tatted on my torso. Huh? Me and Moy. What's going on, everybody? So Welcome to the All American Chelsea Podcast. I am your host. Christian, your boy, your homie, and it feels so good to be back. So good to be back. Yo, I remember when this song came out. Well, first, when it came to Jaden Smith, I was aware of his music. Um, I heard him rapping on the first time was with the song with Justin Bieber. And I'm like, all right, whatever, just another child actor, whatever. Um... But I, I never really gave him any respect. Then I heard his next song, which was Batman, from this album, uh, Sire. And it was god-awful. It was terrible. I, In my opinion, it was terrible. I was not feeling it at all. At all, I wasn't feeling it. Then I hear Icon. And I'm like, okay, this is fire. This is absolutely fire. And... The whole album came out, and I love the album. I love Sire. And you know what? Even Batman has grown on me. The song Batman has grown on me over time. But I was pleasantly surprised when it came to uh, Jaden Smith's album. Um, also, the video super dope, too. The video super dope. In the video, he has golds. Um, gold teeth, a gold grill. I'm from Miami, Florida. You guys know that. And having... <clears throat> still trying to get over this head cold. Having gold teeth, a gold grill, is something that is my... Hold on. Let me turn up the gain on my microphone. Let me turn it up, up, up. There. It should be good there. should be much better there. Having gold teeth is something that's pretty big in Miami. I've wanted gold teeth all my life. Like, a gold grill all my life. <sighs> I was thinking, I'm going to celebrate episode 100 of the All-American Chelsea podcast with a gold grill. I'm going to get myself a gold grill. It's enough with the bullshit. It's time to get myself a gold grill. So, what's going on, everyone? Um, I just wanted to check in with you uh, with this episode of the podcast. It's uh, pretty dope. I got 
the homie Lorenz from 100% Chelsea, and it's a pretty dope interview. Talk to him about the current status of the football, uh, the football club, and <clears throat> I wasn't able to get through it without going, um, without going ape shit. Hold on a second here, for lack of a better term, without going ape shit on the lack of transfers uh, currently at the club. Now, keep in mind that this was recorded before transfer deadline day, before any of signings have been done. So this kind of gives you a picture of where I'm currently at or where I was mentally when it came to the club and our signings. Um, so I, I want you to you know keep that in mind, but I had a great time talking to him. I think that you guys are going to enjoy the interview, enjoy the conversation. Um, and I 100% appreciate him coming on to the podcast. So check it out, listen to it, and uh, I'll catch you at the end. Later. All right, what's going on, everybody? I got the main man, the face, the, the guy that we always turn to see for um, our post-match uh, review from a hundred from a hundred percent Chelsea, my main man Lorenz. What's happening? How are you, Christian? I'm very good. First of all, thank you for having me on. And um, yeah, like you said, obviously I work with one hundred percent Chelsea with the guys Louis and Lewis, and obviously all the others as well. And yeah, you know what we do: preview content, review content. The other guys do, you know, the fan cams, match day content, news. You know, we just enjoy. I think we all love Chelsea, and um, yeah, it's great to be on. Um, and it's a pleasure having you. Um, I reached out to you on Twitter, and I'm like, I, you know, I, I watch your 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 post match reviews, and I'm like, man, like I would love to have him on on the podcast. And I reached out to you, and you uh, and you answered me right away, and uh, here we are. So first, I, I I think I've been watching YouTube Chelsea content for what? Four years, five years, four years, four years, and then it started picking up. Um, Eunice had started it all off for me, and then you know various other channels, Nini. But you, you started doing your match reviews for how long? Oh, my YouTube story is—it's a, a good story to be honest. So I mean, mainly was inspired by the likes of Eunice and Son of Chelsea, Daniel. Um, and then I started to make my own my own first video, my own like small channel that was just myself. I did on the 1st of January of 2015 when Chelsea lost 4-3 to Tot uh, 5-3 sorry to Tottenham, and um, I did that for a little bit on and off and stuff. And then I went to a different channel who were just based on like doing live streams, pre-game and post-game kind of thing. And then you know things happened, and I went to London and Louis, you know, 100% Chelsea Louis Benavinti, let me stay on his sofa really um, because I <laughs> didn't want to afford a hotel in in London. And then we got speaking, and that's how I ended up at 100% Chelsea, and that's where I've been for two years now, and you know, it's been great. Yeah, that's that. You know what? Like I always say at at the end of the podcast, I always end it with, "I love you," um, and that's because I always feel like, you know, we all come from different uh, nationalities different backgrounds but we're connected by this club and i and i truly feel like everybody who's in this club i mean who supports this club is part of a family you know and just that right there you saying that you know louis basically lets you stay on his couch i i, I had he ever met you in person 
no, up until we, that never, point? We'd never met. It's just like this one Chelsea Facebook group, basically. And I asked random people, does anyone have a, like, a spare sofa or couch I can crash on? And he was like, yeah, sure, crash on mine. I was like, great. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is yeah, absolutely awesome. So we start our Facebook career at 100% Chelsea. And, you know, your, your match day content has been awesome. Like, take me to, like, I don't know if this is super interesting for me. And I, I would imagine it's going to be interesting for others. How long does it take you to prepare for a match review? Like, take me through that process. How does it, how does it go? Like, you watch the game, obviously. Throughout the yeah. game, are you taking notes? Like, take, take me there. Take me to the game. Like, you know, what, what, what's your process like? All right. Well, so obviously it all starts before the game, in all honesty, because, you know, you prepare kind of the thumbnail template that you still have to, you know, um, change depending on the result kind of thing. Um, like, you know, I have to put the results on it and the, whatever I find fitting as what I, you know, the kind of sentence, the one line, the sentence I want to add to it. You know, i got to do all that. Then when the lineup comes out, I, you know, make it like this image of the lineup that I will add to the video later. And then obviously, yeah, the, the during the game, I take my notes. I try to be as detailed as I can because I can't expect for myself to remember in perfect detail, like two hours later, um, <laughs> if something happens in the first minute of what happened. I try to, because I've always been in kind of a, I've never been really sure what I want. Do I just want to talk about the game overall or do I want to take people through the game who might not have seen the game? And that's what I've ended up doing because I think, I don't know, I've decided I enjoy that and people seem to enjoy it as well. Um, so that's why I try to go into detail, go minute by minute kind of thing whenever something happens. And um, yeah, you know, that happens. Then I've done with my notes, basically finish up my post-match notes kind of thing, start recording. Um, that takes, you know, depending on the game, between 15, 25, 20 minutes, something like that. Then sit down, edit as quick as I can, basically export it, make, make the thumbnail and upload it as quick as I can. It usually takes me up to probably like an hour, hour and a half after the game until it gets uploaded. So, you know, I try to get it out as quickly. I mean, I could get it out quicker if I didn't focus as much on the editing and don't want to make it perfect. But I am a bit of a perfectionist, so can't really help it. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, you know, for, for a little... I mean, 10 minutes what what is you know how much work yeah. does it take to do a 10 minute video and it's exactly. it's a process it's it's a it is giant a process, process. Mm. so no I, I find it interesting i um when i started officially i started this podcast in june but i had been flirting with the idea uh for over two years and i remember the first time i did a match review i didn't enjoy the game because I was literally writing notes, you know, throughout the entire game. Minute 56, uh, Marcus Alonso ran the ball up on the left-hand side, beat, you know, such and such uh, defender. Minute 57. Alonso beat a defender. What game were you watching? This is off the top of my head. And it's funny. You know what? And it's funny um, that you say that you say that because you and I were speaking on Sunday and I had mentioned that I uh, I don't know why Emerson isn't starting, and you and you you know you had mentioned that well Marcus Alonso um, might be a better fit da da da, and and it was one of the reasons. I mean, well, so going back to the to going back to the way I had the way I was doing it before we get into you know this past Sunday. Sorry, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, no, no, no worries. So. I, I was doing it minute by minute, and I, and I found myself not enjoying the game. And then listening back to what I did, like, my match reviews were, like, four hours 
and it was like second by second, minute by minute. I'm like, nobody wants to, who the hell wants to listen to this? Like, nobody's going to want to listen to a guy reviewing the game minute by minute, second by second, especially if I can't make it exciting. So I, my talents weren't there. So now I just, I watch the game, anything big, um, I usually send it out on Twitter or I just jot it down on, on my notes and then I watch the game again. And anything else that I had to clean up or whatever, I'll redo it. I won't watch it, you know, 100% all the way through. I'll fast forward and skip to the parts where I know that I needed to refresh my memory on. And then um, I take more notes, more notes, more notes. So I kind of put it, you know, in, in my head so I won't have to read notes. It's kind of the information is already there. But for you... I guess since you're spitting, you know, you're 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 shooting out these match reviews right after. You kind of have to. You don't have time to rewatch a match, you know. So. Oh no, yeah. It's interesting. The way everybody works is super interesting. Yeah. So it ta it takes a lot of time as well. I think to kind of know, like, figure out the way you want to do it, the way your listeners or viewers enjoy you doing it, and um, you know, it just takes time to get used to it. I think like it's. I think it's normal. Like to me, it's like, you know. If there's a big chance, I'll speak about it. But obviously, I'll also give like, all right, first half an hour was like that, you know, after I've mentioned the things that happened in the first half an hour. So it's kind of like kind of finding a balance between all of it. And, you know, I take more notes than what I end up putting in. Some things I just edit out or some things while recording. I feel like nah, I'm not going to mention that kind of thing. So it's all a process and it takes time, I think. Yeah. Nah. Um, no, for me, it's I took I pretty much I took the whole World Cup. I have. I recorded a ton of episodes throughout the World Cup, but I used the World Cup as sort of kind of the foundation, the testing on how I wanted to do the podcast and mm -hmm. the way that I was doing it. I, I, I tried so many different ways and I'm like, you know, I, I kind of I think I think I'm 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 narrowing down on how exactly I want to do these podcasts. Um have a really good idea and that's based off of hours and hours and hours of of trial and error 95 percent of it is absolute garbage and <laughs> i've narrowed down the five percent the format the idea of how i wanted the show to go and i'm sure you know like you how many how many videos how many match reviews did you go through before we we got to before actually not even what we see before you felt comfortable on on releasing like yeah this is this is what i have in my head and this is what i think people wanted to see well uh a lot like i said you know i started on i started on my own channel when my english wasn't as perfect as it is now i had no idea how to edit so i literally i didn't put a single cut into my videos i didn't add anything to the videos it was four times three not even like 16 you know by nine no hd was none of that so like it, it took me a long time to get it right or you know right is maybe the wrong word it took yeah. me a long time to get it to where i was happy with it um but yeah i mean it's just a process and i think that's the same with everything whether that's a youtube video a podcast or i don't know constructing something <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 you know i there's a there's a youtuber that i follow um his name is roberto blake and basically he he's just he's an online creative entrepreneur um he's my age and he his youtube content for anybody that's listening to this if you want a youtube channel that i recommend where this guy gives you uh, he gives you advice he talks about how to 
get um, on, a career going online, um, his channel is awesome. It's called Roberto Blake. Uh, he talks about podcasting, vlogs. Uh, he's a graphic designer. He's a, a basically a self-made man all all off of YouTube. And he one of the things he talks about is not getting the content perfect. It's getting the content acceptable. Once it's acceptable, you continue growing and working till you know you get it to where it ever it goes but it's got to reach a certain point of being acceptable and i think that's the hard part getting to acceptable and knowing that hey this is acceptable and we're going to move on from here so exactly now speaking on the match review so some i i, I always do this i kind of doubt myself on what at when actually the game is uh is being played so it was sunday we played the community shield against Manchester City. Was it Sunday? Yes. Sunday. Yeah, I always do this. I always do this. I'm like, <laughs> Sunday, Saturday. All right, so Sunday we played against Manchester City Community Shield. Um, we ended up losing the game 2-0. Uh, before the game, I do this all the time. I am 100% sure that any single time Chelsea step on a field, they will win the game. They're the best team in the world. And until proven otherwise – they're going to win the match. So I went into this game 100% confident that we were going to win the game. We might let something through. We might make a mistake. But at the end of the day, we were going to win. And boy, immediately, it's like, I'm like, yeah, of course. They finished 30 points ahead of us. Like, they are the champions for a reason. They are three years into Pep Guardiola's system. And it's uh, apparent. I mean, like, when you were watching the game, what did you... What did you see? How did you view the game, like, as it was happening, you know? You you almost put it perfectly there, and I said that in my review as well. It was a team being under the same manager and under the same system for over two years, and a team being under one manager and that system for less than three weeks. Yeah. And that, that was so obvious to see throughout the whole game because we tried to play sorry ball, as a lot of people like to put it. We try to play like Sarri wants us to play. We try the pressing here and there. We try to play out from the back. But it's not all working yet. We, it's not working yet the way we need to step out. For example, for the first goal we conceded, Jorginho tried to go up the pitch along with the midfield and the defence. The midfield did, but the defence didn't. And then it was this huge gap for Phil Foden yep. to run into and then just square it up to Aguero, who then obviously scored from the edge of the box. And, you know, these things take time to work. You know, we're not... You know, people think, oh, they've all played in the four at the back before. Some of them have played in a 4-3-3 formation. You can't compare that. Not every 4-3-3 uh, formation is the same. Not every four at the back formation is the same. Sarri is very innovative in his way of football. There's a reason why someone like Pep Guardiola praises him the way he does. There's a reason for these things. And to change from what Conte did to what Sarri is trying to do, that will take time. And it also took him time at Napoli. I mean, if you think back to the World Cup, Khalid Koulibaly, obviously the Senegalese centre-back at Napoli, made comments when it was basically becoming clear that Sarri would join us. You know, Chelsea fans and Chelsea need to give him time because it's a process and it takes time. But once it comes good, it comes real good. And, um, you know, it will take time. I mean, their first, Napoli's first game, first five games on Sarri didn't go well, except when they absolutely smashed Lazio 5-0. But other than that, they weren't great. And that's what we're going to have to expect. Like, August, September aren't going to be easy. But from October onwards, I'm expecting to play very good football. And I'm expecting much, much better results. 
And, um, you know, I mean, I'm a bit different to you. I never expected us to beat City on the weekend Sim for the simple reasons that we just discussed, basically, yeah. because Guardiola has been there for, well, going into his third season and Sarri hasn't even been here for three weeks. We, and also our squad just isn't anywhere near as good as theirs, especially when Eden Hazard and N'Golo Conte aren't there. Yeah. You know that, like, yes, City were missing De Bruyne, but City have much more players to replace someone like De Bruyne than we have to replace Eden Hazard. Even though Kalam who actually did replace Hazard, was the best player on our team, it's still not Hazard. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because, yes, we lost 2-0. Um, and, and, and I'm not, my frustration is not on what's happening between the lines what's happening on the pitch my frustration and i feel like the most frustration of of chelsea supporters lies what's going on outside of the pitch um what's on the pitch you saw it you saw the guys passing the ball out from the back i mean even willie caballero you know making passes up to the defenders um it's something completely different from what we're accustomed to seeing i i, I remember against the first game uh, against Perth Glory, Glory of Perth, I screw up their name every single time. It's pri by far the worst name in football. There's that team's name. <laughs> I, I I can't get it right. I can't get it right. But it's a pretty cool name though. Like you just call yourself <laughs> Glory. Like all right then. But I mean, but but, and I'm sure it is very simple. But like I always screw it up. Like it's an, it's either Perth Glory, Glory of Perth. Well, everybody knows the team that we're talking. About. Yeah. Um, and the first time I saw the defense passing the ball back to Bolka and Bolka passing it out, I was like, what are you guys doing? What, why are we passing the ball back so close to the, you know, we're getting pressed. What, what's going on here? But, like, it, it's now I'm starting to, like, ease in the tension of seeing the ball go back and seeing the ball come out. Um, and, and you could see the guys trying. But it, it's... It's just worrying that knowing that we need time to develop and need time to gel and to be involved in the system, knowing the track record this team has, knowing the track record our owner has, the board has, of pulling the trigger on managers so quickly, it's worrying that he won't be allowed that time to develop. And, um, but yeah, going uh, continuing with the match, I felt like Jorginho, I, I wrote down in my notes that for whatever reason, Jorginho did not look, he did, he looked out of, not, I, I want to say out of place, but he didn't look as confident. I wasn't as confident in Jorginho's play as I was against um, Arsenal, against Inter, uh, against Perth Glory. What, what, what do you, I guess, what did you, how did you see his game? Um, because I, I, there's a lot of conversation when it comes to you about how Jorginho played on on Sunday. How, as somebody that reviews game, game, game after game after game, well, how did you see uh, our midfield? Because for me, that is the mo that's going to be the most exciting and the most interesting um, aspect of our game this year for me is how does the midfield play? Uh, even though, yes, on Sunday we didn't have Conte. Um, and we still haven't locked down who that third midfielder is going to be. How did you process and filter the game from our midfield? 
I mean, first of all, I definitely agree that Jorginho didn't have a good game. Um, I'm not sure about out of place. I'm not sure about lack of confidence. I mean, he definitely underhits a lot of passes. Like, well, you know, a well, few chances were created by him not completing his passes, you know, not putting enough pace on them kind of thing. But I feel like it has a lot to do to him knowing what Sarri wants and the other ones not knowing what Sarri mm. wants, which made Jorginho look worse than the others because the others all played the same, but he played what Sarri wanted, but the others didn't. Yeah. But I'm not saying that's the only thing that happening that, that happened because he certainly did make mistakes. Every player makes mistakes. I also felt that for the first good half an hour, our team looked extremely nervous, like all of them. There were so many misunderstandings. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, but I think the main thing of why Jorginho looked so bad, or so bad is maybe a bit extreme, but didn't look great against City was because it not all of the team, you know, kind of got the gist of Sarri ball yet. Or it's, like I said, you know, it's all taken time for the team to be a unit, for the team to be, you know, playing and working and running and cohesively, you know, all of that. It, it all needs to come together. And, um, you know, Sarri's system is a very intricate one in a sense of, it looks really strange and weird when it doesn't work. And then it's not like stages, all right, this kind of works, but then this doesn't. It's like either it works or it doesn't. Yeah. There's not like in between. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, how do you feel? Do you think we're going to, the, the club's going to give them enough time to develop the system? Oh, yeah. I don't think we're going to sack him in the first 10 games or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, I mean, I hope that the club by signing someone like Sari because you know Sari hadn't won a single trophy in his or still hasn't won a single trophy in his career yeah. and the fact that Chelsea appointed someone like that shows to me that there was a slight change in mentality within the club because we've not really done that in a long time yeah to appoint someone that hasn't got like a winning track record because at Chelsea over the last 15 20 years winning has always been the m most important thing yeah but now the fact that we employed or appointed someone like Sari makes me think that we are willing to give him the time. I'm not saying we're going to give him five years if we still haven't done anything in five years. He's definitely not still not going. He's definitely not still going to be here. Of course he won't, um, and he shouldn't be either. Like let's be honest, if we don't do anything good in the next five years, why should we stick with the same manager? In all honesty, yeah. um, but I don't think he will be sacked this season. Um, I mean, of course, if we're in the relegation zone by Christmas things might be different but i don't think that will be the case um you know but while sticking to while while keep you know staying realistic being within the top six the top eight until christmas i think all's going to be good i think everything's gonna turn out a lot better than a lot of people are expecting i think we're going to be a lot better than a lot of people are expecting even with the squad that we have right now um because napoli's squad isn't anywhere near as good as juventus squad and they pushed them to four points to win the title yeah. So, yeah. You know. How did you um another another guy that's that's getting uh, another guy a controversial name in the team right now, Alvaro Morata. Mm -hmm. On Sunday, I I didn't see. I had been I I've been a big supporter of Alvaro Morata um last season, this season, big supporter of his. I do see that he can play the skills are there but for whatever reason it's it, it, it I, i've said on this podcast it's um maybe he has like a uh, like a like a lack of heart 
like a will, like a desire, like Costa had. Costa is nowhere near as skilled. Well, I, I, maybe that maybe that's too far. I'm going too aggressive um, and diminishing Costa's skill. But he, as a footballer, I don't think he's as skilled as Morata. However, what that man has beating in his chest takes him equal and surpasses Morata, what Morata has. And I feel like this Sunday, while Morata wasn't bad, he wasn't good. I, I feel like he didn't get um, enough service. He didn't get the the he didn't get an opportunity enough to to do something with the ball. Um, I, what is your take on this whole Morata situation? Like, like we are. It's Tuesday, and I mean, looking at my phone. It's 11 o'clock in Miami, so that means doing simple math, Christian, that puts us at, what, 4 o'clock in England, right? Yes. Yep. 4 o'clock in England. We're we're stuck with Morata. Like, I don't see us. We, there's no way in hell we're going to be bringing in a striker uh, and selling Morata. In, in oh, yeah, no, Morata is definitely he's staying. there. So how do we solve, like, how do we solve this situation with Morata what do you think? Uh, like, what, 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 what can we expect from him? Like, based off of, like what we've seen, like, what, what, what do we do from here? Where do we go from here with Morata? I mean, it's a very long and difficult question. I've got quite a bit to say on it because, like, after the game on Sunday, because I've seen so much criticism of Morata on Twitter and stuff, and I put out a tweet um, saying people are expecting Morata to play like Diego Costa or Jogba did. But that's never, ever going to happen. Murata is not like Diego Costa and Drogba. Like, that's not the type of player he is. Murata is never going to bully a defender. But you can't blame him for that. It's like blaming a boat for not being a car. Yeah. Like, that's not what he is. I mean, he's a striker that makes runs and that needs, cro like, makes runs in behind and needs crosses. And how many of that did we see on Sunday? None. Like, we saw passes in behind. We saw over-the-top chip balls. But all of them were inaccurate and overhits. So he couldn't get to any of those even if he tried. And then people say he didn't try hard enough. And to an extent, I agree with that. He didn't put himself about enough. But people also have to understand that Andasari, the striker doesn't come back to be involved in build-up play. That's not what Andasari, the striker, does. The striker is there to score goals and you know build up with the two wingers, not with the midfield. That's not what he does. Because at the same time, when our strikers did that in the past, whether that was Diego Costa falling back or going out to the left-hand side on the wing, yeah. And then he wasn't in the middle when the ball came there. Then people slated him for that. And people would do the exact same thing for Murata. If he came back to help build up play, but then he wasn't in the box in time to, you know, score, you know, a from a chance, then people would also be having an issue with him. So I think there is definitely issues going on with him. There was a very interesting interview with Murata just a few days ago. I think the Mirror did it. Might be wrong on that, but, you know, very interesting interview anyway, where he spoke about, you know, turning down multiple offers from both Italy and Spain, um, offers that were more lucrative than what he's earning at Chelsea right now but he wanted to stay, he wanted to prove people wrong and he wanted to prove and he wanted to give back to Chelsea what they've given him and I think the, his mentality in that sense is very good and he says now it's, it's all just about scoring goals, that's all he thinks about, scoring goals and then going home to his family and um, I mean you can't really expect much more, from, much more from him but at the same time in that interview it also showed how mentally weak he is, when he says oh, when things weren't going well and then he just didn't talk to anyone and just wanted to go home and just wanted to lock himself up at home. I'm like, you know, I'm not um, trying to have a go at people that are mentally weak. 
But in an industry like this, in professional football, where criticism is a daily thing, whether that's via social media or in the stadium, when you get booed, when you don't get cheered, that's normal. You can't afford to be mentally weak in this industry if you want to be at the very top. And at the moment, he just like you need to you need to be able to deal with that. You can't start locking yourself in and not want to turn up. And I'm not trying to disregard his back back, back injury that he had last season yeah. because. That was very serious. Um, you know, if you have to inject yourself um, just to have dinner because, you know, you're in so much pain, then I'm not having any issue with that. But at the same time, don't play. Don't play when you're in serious pain. Because, okay, I get the thought is nice. The intention is good. I'm like, okay, I, I still want to give my all for the team. But you're not helping anybody Anybody if you're playing with a lot of pain. <laughs> like that. That's why the whole you know, uh, stigma about him came about that he just flops around on the floor and, like, is worse than Neymar by, you know, someone touches him and he goes down. But when you're with your back to a defender and the defender runs into your back that's already in significant pain, well, of course you're going to go down. But then don't play. So that's my issue with him. So I still think there is a lot of good that can come from Murata. I think he certainly has the capability of doing so. I think we need to wait before, you know, writing Morata off completely until Sari's system works. Because, you know, it's about getting Sari's system into the system of the players. And until that hasn't happened, there's no point criticizing anyone in the team, really. It's the same with David Luiz. A lot of people were very critical of David Luiz on the weekend. I was hard on him. I absolutely was one of those people that was hard on him. Yeah, Let, let's just finish about Morata, then we yeah. can happily speak about David Luiz. Um, like I said, if until all of the Sari system works, I don't think there's no point in criticizing Morata. If he still doesn't score then, you know, say by November, December time, if he still isn't starting to score a good few goals, a good amount of goals by then, still missing huge chances, still not... Because that was the interesting thing against Arsenal in midweek. His movement was good, but he didn't score. Um, yes, okay, he missed a penalty. Who hasn't missed a penalty? Messi and Ronaldo have missed penalties, so why are people so angry about him missing a penalty? I don't get it. And then he had that other one-on-one, which actually he did quite well, but Czech just made a great save because that yeah. was not a bad finish. That was just a really good save. Of course, he could have finished it even better, but it wasn't an awful finish. Um, but he wasn't in the positions. Against City on Sunday, he wasn't in the positions. So something was wrong. But I still think he need, we need to give him time, but at the same time, I think the Mishibachoi could possibly be better suited to play on the side than Murata could be. Not so, not sure whether Mishima Chai will end up staying. I hope he will. But I think he could be even better suited to playing on the side and being that, you know, proper goal-scoring striker that we haven't had, well, well since Diego. But Diego was on and off as well. And I think Bachuai could be that. Murata could be as well. I think if we keep them both, I think we've got a very good chance in having a very successful striker this season. Yeah. When it comes to Murata, like... Um... When he mentioned his back injury, I completely sympathize with him. I, um, what, 10 years ago, I had a back injury. I still deal with it every day. Not every day, but a few times a year I deal with it. And when my back goes, it is the worst pain I've ever had in my life. And I'm talking about I've had a ACL injury. I've had an MCL injury, a meniscus injury. I've had injuries due to due, doing a playing um sports but the back injury has is by far there's nothing worse than back pain so when he mentioned that i completely sympathize him i could not think about what it would be like to play week in week out and not in the park with your friends in front of thousands of people 
at the stadium, at the match, and then millions of people across the world, everybody because of social media having an opinion of your play. Meanwhile, you are in pain because of your back and you can't give the best that you have. You can't go to the media and say, you know, screw you, everyone. I'm dealing with this. You can't do that. So your hands are kind of tied. Yeah, but that's but exactly my point. Why that's I keep exactly saying, why your point. You play? That's exactly your point. Don't play. Don't play. And going back to your point again, if you are it, 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 with his mentality, if he is going through all of this and he said that his response to everything that he's going through was to lock himself in a shell, that tells you everything you need to know about who he is and how we need to... We need to support the man, not, you know, kick him while he's down when he's going through these spells because he doesn't have the mentality of, fuck you guys, watch what I'm going to do now. He doesn't he, have he, that. He isn't, he isn't Diego Costa, who he, when he was criticized, played better than ever before. <laughs> exactly. I mean, remember, remember uh, right after January, ah, what game was it where he scored a goal and, it, and he went to the flag and he put his hands up like, you guys are all talking, now what? Now what? You know? He ain't oh, made yeah, those yeah. hand gestures. So he isn't Costa. So when it comes to Morata, I feel like, damn, like, we, we need to... He, he reminds me similar to Torres. Oh, with, yeah, yeah. And that's, that, that's exactly my worry, though. <laughs> that's exactly my worry. Because it's all exactly like Torres. He reminds me so much of Torres, but I feel like, unlike Torres, Morata hasn't gotten the love. Like, I don't ever feel like, at least when we were playing at home, and anywhere, when we were playing anywhere, we all saw Torres missing, but we all saw Torres trying. And I never felt like anybody got on his back. We all, you know, while okay. it was at the matches, everybody was che cheering his name, pushing him on. And, and you could see that he, I mean, he spoke about it after he left the club, that he appreciated that. So I just feel like Morata hasn't gotten that just yet. He hasn't gotten that love just yet. Um, but I hope, I, I mean, that's similar to what we need. But, you know, and then bringing up Mishi. Listen, I was talking to some friends today. I don't think it's a bad thing that our strikers are, you know, let's say Tammy Abraham doesn't go out on loan. Tammy Abraham... Giroud, Mishi, and Morata. I mean, hell, City, there was a time when it was Denzeko, Aguero, Baratelli. I mean, I felt and like how many... And Negredo as well. Uh, yeah, and Negredo as well. I, and, and, and I said that today. It was, we always, I, had, I knew I had missed somebody out of that group. And I remember at the end of the game, uh, if City were... You know, down one or needed, and they needed a, a, a goal. It was always uh, um, Denzeko off the bench in the 80 something minute to put in a header or to equalize or to take them ahead. So, having, I'm, I'm always somebody that is going to prefer way more talent than what is needed. So, you give me a, a, a team with four guys that all believe that they should be the number one striker or the number one in their position, I'm more than happy with that. I don't, you know. I don't see that there's anything wrong when you have 80-something games to play that you have three different teams of, 
11 guys that you could push out there that could absolutely be starting anywhere else in any other league. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, which is brings me to Colum Hudson-Odoi. Uh, can, I, can I just make a quick point? Go on ahead, the whole go ahead, man. This is your show. Thing. Go for it. Because while I agree to an extent that it wouldn't be bad, so my issue with that is I don't see the point in Giroud and Asari. I don't see really how he could be any use on the Asari system. At the same time, though, I also don't see the point in Abraham being third or fourth choice. He's 21 or something. He yeah. needs a loan now. He, he needs to go and play every week. And he doesn't need a bloody championship loan like Mason Mount. Even if he's on the Lampard, yeah. Tammy Abram needs a Premier League loan. Tammy Abram needs a mid-table Premier League loan, not a Swansea. Pre Tammy Abram needs a decent team in the Premier League where he has to be loaned to. I don't know. Loan him to Crystal Palace if we want Zaha. Do something like that because Benteke is awful anyway, so they will start him. <laughs> um, <laughs> someone like that because... Ab Tammy Abraham, whether Batshuayi or Morata work out or don't work out long term, Tammy Abraham, I think, should definitely has the capabilities to beat our striker at some point. But you're just hindering his development, in my opinion, if you're sitting him on the bench for, say, 90% of the games, if he's third or fourth choice. I don't see much point in that. Um, so I think he should be loaned out. At the same time, like, well, if we have Giroud and there's no much point to Giroud, on the salary, then we really only have Murata by choice, so what do we do then? So yeah. it's all a bit tricky, but I still think for the development and for the potential that Abraham has, I think he needs a Premier League loan. Because if you think back to how we did things with Lukaku, the way we loaned him to West Brom, he did really well there, then we loaned him to Everton, and then he should, should have stayed. Like if Absolutely. everything that happened since didn't happen, that would have been perfect, and no one would have any issues with our loan policy. Same with Christensen sending him on loan two years to, to Borussia Mönchengladbach where he did really well and then obviously came back last year okay he doesn't seem like he doesn't seem to be first choice on Amadi Giassari currently but we'll have to wait and see what happens there but I think the, the general idea with that was very good now loaning Tammy Abram to Bristol then loaning him to Swansea next season and now giving him a Premier League mid-table mid -table team loan if we can that would be absolutely perfect if we cannot okay fair enough then but yeah. that would be my ideal but then it's like you know, again, with the what do we do with Giroud, and we're not going to sign another striker. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't see the Martial reports. Zaha, if Loftus Cheek goes there, maybe, and then Zaha could be a winger, and you know, if we need a third striker, kind of thing, so he could be both. So that's that's the good thing that comes with Zaha. Um, but you know, uh, who knows what's going to happen there? Yeah, no, I, I, you know what? I mean, we can get to and and sorry about that. Um in my last days of getting over this head cold so it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right it, it feels like i'm still dealing with i deal with uh this head cold right up until like around 12 o'clock one o'clock then miraculously all is cleared up so oh yeah yeah it's normal so, yeah it's, I, I don't know why so like my body knows um so i i will i, will, I was gonna push this off uh till later in the podcast but i can't contain my rage any longer Please walk me off the ledge or tell me if I'm wrong to be so negative about what's going to happen over these next 48 hours because I have absolutely no confidence that come Friday morning, anything other than terrible purchases and stories and even I don't even I'm not even confident that we're going to make a panic buy like. <laughs> I, I I have no confidence in what's happening with our board. What's happening? I don't, with, 
We're gonna sign Bakayoko's brother. <laughs> I, I don't even think so. I, I don't even think they can get that done. I, 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 I like. I, please talk me off the ledge. Like I, I am, I am beyond furious. It's just like, again, it, is there anybody at the club that has vision to see what is going on to to plan ahead? Like, what the hell is going on? They were one of the yeah. teams that voted to have the windows, the window closed. It's not like the vote was taken yesterday. The vote was done last year. I mean, <laughs> hell, you had Conte. Conte took a meeting with Barcelona, uh, uh, or but what was it? Barcelona, PSG. Who did he take a meeting? Do, no, he took a meeting with PSG before the Barcelona game. Exactly. Yeah. That was in February. Conte's team knew, or. Or planned that he wasn't gonna be with the club by the opening uh, by the uh, by the end of the season, but yet we are dealing with finding a replacement first choice keeper now, two days before. What the hell? I I, I don't understand. I, I I don't understand how. Forget a football club. Forget. Let's let's suspend that this is a football club. Let's look at it for what it is how they perceive themselves right now if you take away uh the fact that this company chelsea football um their product is football you know 11 guys playing on a field forget that they they do entertainment and you look at them as a company they have key employees that bring in tons of revenue coming up to the end of their contracts um doubt in in certain in, in in key positions within the company knowing that they have deadlines to meet and they're failing at the like filling these roles like no company no two billion dollar company runs like this how like like lorenzo like please talk to me like what the hell is going on I mean, at the end of the day, that's the question of all questions. What's been going on at Chelsea board level for the last three years, really? Um, but you say three years. I mean, you could go back even further than that with, you know, but then you have a few exceptions of good things in there. I mean, I've, I've, put, I've put out a tweet today. Sorry to mention one on my Twitter. No, um, keep going. Keep going. What's, um, and what's your Twitter handle for anybody that's not following this? That's Laos 1507, LAUS 1507 on both Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow me, please do so. Um, but getting back to that, I put out because I went back to my fan cam because obviously all of us at 100% Chelsea went to the away game in Barcelona. And I went back to my fan cam and I took out a little snippet where I criticized Thibaut Courtois. Where I was like, how is he making that mistake in the third minute? How is he constantly making these comments about wanting to go to Madrid? Why is he even still here? Why is he playing? Can we not just send him to Madrid right now? And back in March is when we should have started looking at goalkeeping replacements. And now, we're two days before the end of the transfer window, and we still don't have a replacement. And Courtois isn't even here anymore because he fucking couldn't be asked to turn up. Like, what the fuck are you doing, mate? Like, it's ridiculous. Like, Thibaut Courtois, I wouldn't even sell the guy. I would, I would make him rot in the reserves for the whole year and then make him find him constantly for not turning up Find him for everything that you can find to sign him to define him for, so he doesn't get as many wages as he is, you know, should be getting. 
I, I don't even care. Maybe we could even destroy his career by that, and Madrid don't want him next year anymore if he hasn't played for a year. Because he's just pissing me off. Like, what the fuck are you doing? You can't just not turn up and think, oh, yeah, you know, I'm just not, no, nah, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to tell my new boss that I, I want to leave, because I don't even have to balls to that. First, first I shag my teammate's girlfriend, you know, <laughs> in, in De Bruyne's girlfriend. Then, That's you know, right. I forgot. Oh my god, I forgot what, about that. What kind of guy is he? And then when he went from gang to Chelsea originally, he basically did the same thing as what he's doing now. He just didn't turn up to things. I'm like, do you need to stop doing that? I wouldn't like I wouldn't even entertain the thought of selling him. Like, sod that. Thirty five million in today's market is nothing. nothing. Thirty five million and destroying his career, that's worth it. Yeah, <laughs> because I am pissed off. But to me, I mean I'm not sure how much you've been able to follow the, you know, the Chelsea news today, obviously with time difference and stuff. But there have been quite a few positive news coming out today um, in regards to signings. Obviously, it seems like we're actually considering um, triggering Kepa's release clause. The, I don't believe the, the, that. The I don't believe that. Exactly. Well, okay. I, I don't believe like, it. I, I'm, I'm not saying we will do that. I'm saying... There have been more and more reports and very reliable reports from the area because obviously it's part of the Basque country um, in Spain. And there's one really reliable newspaper there, as as I'm told, and they are reporting it. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying it could happen. Um, so that that's a start. And I, what I do believe is the whole story about Kovacic possibly coming to Chelsea on a loan with an option to buy next season. I do believe that that could very much be a thing that's happening. Um and also that kind of makes sense because then we don't have to spend anything on a midfielder right now. But Sari openly said that he wants another midfielder. So that leaves up, you know, opens up funding for a goalkeeper in a sense. So, you know, say originally we planned to spend 40 on a goalkeeper and 40 on a midfielder. And now we don't spend anything on a midfielder because we're only getting him on loan and buying him next summer if he does, do, does well. But now we have like, say, 70, 80 million to spend on a goalkeeper. I'm not saying it's all going to happen, but I'm saying there's a, bit, a little bit of more positivity than there has been over the last few days. Because when I hear things about Jack Butland, I'm willing to rent out the penthouse and jumping out the window. Because <laughs> I just lose my fucking shit when I hear about Jack Butland. He's tall, and he's good on his line, and that's all what he is. But every single goalkeeper in the Premier League is good on his line, otherwise they wouldn't be in the Premier League. And he's not even in the Premier League anymore. I conceded the shot from the 25 yards in the Championship on, the, on, the, on Sunday. I, I, um... What are you doing with Jack Butland? Like, no, I literally, no, no, no. I'm, when, when I think about it, I lose my shit. And then people say he's a young goalkeeper. He's 25. He's less than a year younger than Thibaut Courtois. Yeah. No, I, you I, might I, as well a Hulka every week. I, I, um, and I would be for that. It's just, yeah. for, it's, it, you know, I, I look at this from a different perspective. I look at it that, okay, the team actually did actually does rate Jack Butlin because I've always felt like even though we put five past them last last year um and it should have been more than that Morata should have had a hat trick oh, yeah. that game um I always felt we, like we, we could have made that a two digits finish yeah absolutely I absolutely think so but I, he was one of the names him Pigford and another name that I always used to uh, say was Mike uh, well not not Captain not well, not for for transfers coming in, but guys that I always hated playing against when we played against Pigford, Butlin, uh, and Kroll from Newcastle. Oh, Kroll, I, yeah. I always felt like these guys, they instantly, you know, they were rated let's say 70 on FIFA. As soon as they play us, they're up to 87, 90. 
I always <laughs> felt like these guys always turned up against us. But let's just say, let's suspend that 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 Jack Butlin is who he is. That the team did does rate him, and they do they 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 were looking at him as a potential replacement for Tebow. You don't like what what do they expect Stoke to do? Like you are put in the position of finding a replacement keeper by Real Madrid. So then you in turn believe that Stoke is okay for Stoke two days before their transfer window ends, a week before their transfer window ends because the sports started coming out last week, that they have enough time to find a replacement keeper? Like, like it's okay uh, for the, them? Like, I think the championship have until August 31st as oh, normal. Oh, okay. So, the no, League, then sure. I was wrong. On, then I'm wrong on that. But, but, like, it doesn't – the situation doesn't look like like th- 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 this was part of the plan. And if it was well, part of the plan, why is Kepa coming – like, why are we hearing about him now? If the target was Allison from the beginning, why didn't Kepa's name come in after that? Like, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make but, sense. In all honesty, because we're morons. <laughs> because we're idiots. That's why it hasn't happened. But, I mean, about Jack Butlin, I mean, Stoke just got relegated from the Premier League. Jack Butlin is definitely too good to be in the Championship. I don't think he's good enough to be at Chelsea, but he's too good to be in the Championship. So Stoke, Stoke losing their keeper is a bit different to us losing our keeper, I think, because you know they got relegated, and um, it was definitely wasn't Jack Butland's fault that they got relegated. So I'm like, they're kind of in a different boat to what we are in because if you get relegated, you're gonna have you're gonna face losing a lot of your players. That's just what it is at the end of the day. Um, but my issue with Jack Butland, I'm not even saying he's a horrible keeper. Like you said, you know, he has his good games against us. Even though was it last season or two years ago? Where he conceded that awful goal at the near post against Hazard that he really shouldn't have conceded. Or that free kick, the free kick by Alonso, that, that, yeah. that was it. The free kick by Alonso that he really shouldn't have conceded. Anyway, um, my point being is if we as a club are happy with fighting for top six and just about getting into top six and playing Europa League football, if we're happy to never win titles, except maybe a League Cup here and there, then you sign someone like Jack Butland or Jordan Pickford or Kasper Schmeichel. If we want to get back into the top four, if we want to get back to winning the Premier League, if we want to get back to eventually winning the Champions League, you don't sign someone like Jack Butler. No. You just do not. Like, that's just... That that signing just... It just paints mediocrity in, a, in like, a, in a person. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it's just not good enough. Yeah. No, and then even... even but you, let's just say that, yes, they do... Are, they're just content with top six. They're not, you know, and sprinkle in a league, uh, you know, a league trophy here and there. Their movement doesn't suggest that because if you're happy with just top six, you sell Hazard for a hundred whatever. You open mm. negotiations with Real Madrid to sell Hazard. You bring in that money and you re- keep moving it on, reinvesting. You become a selling club. They don't even, yeah. they're not even, they're not even doing that. What are it, we doing? It, none, none of it makes sense. You're, you're completely right. None of it makes any what sense. What are we doing? It's, it's like we have multiple people in that board, and the one part wants to do that, and the other part wants to do that. And they can't really get on a like one baseline of what they actually all want to do. They can't find a compromise, it seems. And it's all a little bit ridiculous. Like, if we end up signing Kepa, if that happens, fair enough. Like, he's not up luck, fair enough. But he's good. 
And yeah. he's actually young because he's 23 and not 25. So he's actually still young. Yeah. And, you know, Real Madrid, you know, were considering him last January or last summer. But then Zidane said, no, nah, I'm happy with uh, Keylor Navas. So Kepa is a good keeper. He's, you know, he's not going to, like I said, he's not Courtois. He's not Oblak. He's not, I don't know, De Gea, of course. But he's a good keeper that can actually turn into something incredible, in my opinion. Yeah. Botland cannot turn into something incredible, in my opinion. So Kepa is a signing that might be risky at the start. But this season isn't. This season isn't a season where anyone should expect us to win the league. This season, I expect us to finish inside the top four, and I do expect that from us. If we haven't, it's a failure. But I don't expect us to win the league. I don't necessarily expect us to win a cup. You know, Europa League, semi-final, final, and possibly even win it, depending on how well things go by the end of the season. But, you know, you can't expect us to win the Premier League right now. Um, That would be, you know, unrealistic. So signing someone like Kepa, I think, would be a decent move, even though he's very expensive and Oblak's buyer clause is only like 10 million higher. But then, you know, Oblak probably doesn't want to move to Chelsea from Atletico because at the moment, why would he? Atletico Madrid signed a lot of very good players. They kept Griezmann. They're in the Champions League. They're in a new stadium since last year. Why would you want to leave Atletico Madrid at the moment for Chelsea? You wouldn't. Um, so that wouldn't make sense. But if we can sign Kepa, great. If we sign Bartland, though, like I said, I'm going to rent out a penthouse and everyone wants to come along will jump out the window. Because... It, 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 it doesn't... It, I mean, and again, we could wake up, or I could wake up Thursday, um, and, you know, there's a lot of movement. There's, you know, we could all go to bed Friday. I mean, uh, Thursday. And by Friday morning, all is well. But it just... And it has nothing. Uh, and another another thing, it has nothing to do with signing. You know, it's not it has anything to do with spending. If the club said, "We are coming out, and this is our objectives for this summer: resign Hazard, sort Thibault's situation, bring in Sorry, bring in a midfielder for Sorry, bring in some players to fit Sorry's system, um, start moving our academy along, getting players, our youth into the academy." And we will finish, the The objective is to finish top four, to go as deep in Europa as possible and prepare for domination the following year. No problem. We only need to sign one guy. We move all the dead weight that we need to, bring in new money, maybe sign a guy or two, and, and, and re-sign Hazard, either re-sign or sell Tebow, bring in his replacement. I would be fine with that. If this club is t- would be taking, or their objective is the Real Madrid uh, approach for this season, which is clear, everybody, for some reason, I seem to know what Real Madrid's objective for the summer is. We're not signing a Galactico, uh, a Galactico. Um, we're gonna, we're we're happy with Asensio. We're happy with Isco. We're happy. We're happy. We're happy here and there and the other. And this is the squad moving forward. How do I know that? And I'm in Miami, Florida, and, 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 and Real Madrid's all the way in Spain. But yet, my club in London, I have no fucking idea what they're doing. You can't look at their moves and tell me and get an idea of what's going on. You can't look at the signings. You can't, you can't look at anything to get an idea. And who knows? Maybe me bitching and moaning today is going to be for nothing come Friday. But I've seen... I feel like I've, I'm repeating a story. Um, I feel like I've seen this story before. So, I'm in Miami, Florida, and my two loves when it comes to sport 
Um, my first love was the you know the NFL team, the Miami Dolphins. I remember going to the games, and this is why when 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 people speak about their connections with Chelsea as as a boy, going to the games with their father, going to the games with you know relatives. I understand that. I can relate to that because these are the connections that I have to the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Back, and, 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 and I'm going to tweet out this article. This article is from 2014 where we had a very similar situation here with the Miami Dolphins. So the Miami Dolphins were purchased by a new owner, a billionaire, Stephen Ross. He brings in, and in the NFL, when you have a coaching change, you change out, generally, you change out everything. You, if that coach is given the power to select his players, so select select everybody, you generally pick um, what is, you know, what is called a general manager. So just to give you an idea, um, a general manager would be equivalent to a football director, and your yeah. coach, you pick them, you you hire them together. So they are to work together. The general manager supplies the coach, uh, based off of how the coach wants to play with the players to fit his system. And Generally, the general manager then fires or removes anybody from the previous administration and brings in his people. To, so there's a cohesive idea of what needs to be accomplished. So back when Stephen Ross purchased the Miami Dolphins, he did that. He hired a brand new team um, to take over football operations and everything that has to do with what happens on the field. One of the people that he hired was... A lady by the name of Don Aponte. Don Aponte was was what is called what was um she was known for being a contract genius. We're talking about a woman that went to, if I'm not mistaken, she went to one of the best universities on earth, one of the best u- universities, if not on earth, it's definitely one of the best universities in the United States, MIT. She's extremely smart. And she was known as a contracting genius. But what happened over time is that she started developing more power the closer she got to the owner and she started undercutting the moves that the person that the general ma- the, the, the general manager was making so if the general manager suggested player A for whatever reason she would suggest player B and since she was closer to the owner we would sign player B and over time people players did not start wanting to come to the club and people, and, 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 and as they would change uh, employees in the front office, they started complaining and not being hired by the Miami Dolphins because of our, of how the team was being run. Is it Don Aponte, the one that's director of football, director, general manager, head of the, the negotiations, head of bringing in uh, sponsors, this, that, or the other? Or is it the general manager, Jeff Ireland? Who's the coach? She started getting into the ear of the coach, and now you have the coach, this lady who's not the general manager, all on the side of the owner. Meanwhile, the, and it was a fucking disaster. And this is back in 2014. So now I'm seeing parallel lines with Marina. Marina's supposed to be somebody that's amazing in business, supposed to be somebody that was instrumental bringing in Nike, bringing in... Um, Yokohama, bringing in all our business contracts. But when it comes to players, she's been a fucking disaster. And I don't know if she deserves all the blame or is it this general, this, this gentleman whose name escapes me that's suggesting players to her. But ever since, 
what, 2013? Right around there, where she really took over? We've been a goddamn disaster. The signings that we're bringing in are terrible. And I keep, and I give Mourinho a lot of shit. But I do remember one thing that he said before he was sacked. And he said he was asking for players, asking for transfers. And, and while he was, and I remember it was in a, a press conference. He was saying something to the effect of, I'm not the only one to blame for here. It's the players. And there's a lot of people that work for Chelsea football that are to blame for what's going on here. And I'm seeing it again. And I'm and, and Conte said something similar to the effect when he was complaining about transfers and complaining about being backed. So all this talk about getting Michael Ballack in as a as a football director means shit if she's the one that's gonna be deciding everything. Michael Ballack can suggest suggest Lionel fucking Messi. And if Marina doesn't sign off on it, Lionel Messi is not coming. Ronaldo's not coming. You could suggest whoever you want. We have all the money in the world. We're going to sign him. Our, our starting line is going to be Hazard, uh, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Mbappe. Our midfield is going to be uh, whoever you want. Defense, whoever you want. Uh, go, whoever. It's not going to happen. So, like, this is why I'm very frustrated on what Chelsea's current, and, and I apologize for the rant, Lorenz. I, I, I apologize. But I am frustrated, man. I am very frustrated. No, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. I think it's a frustration that a lot of us share. I mean, that's the that, that's something I mentioned earlier. Like, we haven't had a good transfer window in a long time, but then we have these, like, exceptions here and there. We signed Diego Costa and Cesc Fabregas within days of each other, who basically them two together won us the title in um, the 14-15 season. Then we signed N'Golo Conte, which, you know, which is still like the bargain of the bloody century to get him for £30 million. Ridiculous how we managed to do that. And, and, and Like, looking at it now, how we managed that is ridiculous. So, and then like you said, you know, with Nike and Yokohama, and then you have Carabao, and then you have, we had Alliance Tires, who do we have on the wing now? Hyundai. It's, you know, uh, that, that was, yeah, Alliance Tires and, and, and Hyundai, yeah. Yeah, Alliance Tires was last year, now it's Hyundai. Like, those things make us a lot of money, and, you know, you're completely right that, you know, Marina Granovskaya, in a lot of instances, possibly does have too much power. Then you hear things at the same time where, like, okay, Marina obviously tried to negotiate with De Laurentiis, the, um, the president of um, Napoli, for Napoli. ages to, sit, to figure out the signatures of Sari and possibly Jorginho. And um, apparently, Roman Abramovich gave him a call. Two days later, it was all done. Yeah. So um, it was all... I mean, I'm not sure if a director of football, you know, like my, Michael Ballack could be, has nothing to say. I think I think people like Marina Granovska, I'm not even going to say women like her because that's irrelevant. No, and it has nothing to do with the, uh, her gender. If anybody's listening to this and think that I'm suggesting uh, Donna Ponte with the Miami Dolphins and Marina Gavaskaya with Chelsea and the, the the through line and the connection between the two is because of women and, and have something against women, you could stick that shit straight up your ass. It has nothing exactly. to do with that. It has all it is about all it is about is that they don't really know much about the in the respective sports they're on about, they're employed to work in. But whether they're women or not, it could just as about just as much be a man that doesn't have any clue about American football or, you know, football soccer. Yeah. It's irrelevant. Like, as they, they just don't know as much about the sport as they should do to have as much power as they do have. Um, so it's not being about... It's not about gender at all. But I think people like them, 
need certain people to kind of work with them. So I think you need someone that that is smart enough to be able to deal with someone like Marina Granovskaya that knows how to not steer her, but like make her understand why what you're suggesting is the smarter move than what she thinks is the smarter move. If you get where I'm coming from. And yeah. I'm not sure Michael Ballard could do that. Um, but, you know, someone must do because we need a director of football without it's a bit a bit ridiculous. Like clubs that don't have a director of football are doing things wrong. It's like Arsenal. Look at Arsenal over the last 22 years. They didn't have a director of football. Look how that went. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you need a director of football. The one thing I do want to say about Mourinho and Conte. Mourinho had an argument to complain about not being backed because he was the manager and yeah. the manager is in charge of, of transfers. Antonio Conte was only head coach. He's not in charge of transfers. And Antonio Conte full on, full well knew that when he signed his, yeah. his deal at Chelsea. So him complaining about transfers is first of all ridiculous in the sense of he knew he wasn't going to have control over it. And secondly, because he did get players, he just didn't get his first choice players. But the Which way Conte would have been plays, shit. Like, one of his first choice apparently was uh, Fernando Laurentiis, so... Well, yeah, but as backup, fair enough, as backup at least. But no, I completely get your point. I mean, the only ones that I agree with Conte that the board messed up are Lukaku and Alexandra. We yeah. could have got them if we, you know, moved better in, in the window. But then you have things like we're never going to get Nangolan if he doesn't want to leave Italy. Not going to happen. You're never going to get Vidal, like from Bayern Munich, who just moved to Barcelona now, if Bayern Munich don't want to sell and if the board don't want 30 plus year old even though we ended up signing Giroud but and then you want Giroud and then you want drink water or I'm not sure if you want to drink water but these are like things you get what you want oh the main one is Bakayoko but the way the way that Conte played there's a lot less players than suit his system than for other systems do you know what yeah. I mean so in that but in that sense it's like they're more special compared to the rest of the world of football your style of players the less good players the players you want are going to be the further you go down your wish list so if if Mourinho or even if I don't know uh, Lopetegui the new Real Madrid manager or yeah. even if Tuchel at PSG or even if Guardiola at Man City if they requested Messi well they would still not get Messi it's just not going to happen Yeah, there's players you want and players you're not going to get um but there obviously comes a point where it's like you need to figure out some sort of goalkeeper situation and we need to stop doing things on deadline day because it costs us more money as seen exactly. by Danny Drinkwater last season. Exactly. How on earth we signed, we signed Danny Drinkwater for £14 million when we sold Nathaniel Chalaba for £5 million when they're basically as good as each other yep. is still beyond me to this day. Yep. Yep. No, I will never understand. Yep. And that's the thing where I'm like, are we trying to save money? Or are we not? Because we're clearly not, because otherwise we wouldn't have signed any drink calls for 40 million. Exactly, exactly. It's ridiculous in a lot of sense. Exactly. It's like, um, <clears throat> if, if they were interested in saving money, I mean, let's just take last season. If they're interested in saving money, you wouldn't, the, the way to go about it is not selling Nathaniel Chalaba for five, buying Danny Drinkwater for 40 buying Emerson how much do we get Emerson for like 18 20 million 24 right. million something so like that you brought in two guys for 60 million dollars right yeah yeah pounds when, even so pounds, 70 million dollars <laughs> yeah so I and I always you know I throw out whatever number I see and then I toss dollars at the end so if it's a hundred million pounds 
pounds or euros, I'm like, it's a hundred million dollars. Even though the conversion is never the same. So, yeah, yeah. but you sign those two guys. But meanwhile, Juventus is like, even though Juventus was up to some fuckery with every single time we submit a bid, they were pushing the number up and up and up. But if we would have just signed Alexandro and kept, we could have used the money that we used for two guys, signed the guy that we really need that really upgrades the team. He would have been the starter now. Oh, yeah, yeah. He would have sure. been the starter now. We wouldn't be in this position where now we're, we're, we're you and I are, are, are DMing each other back and forth talking about Emerson and yeah. Alonzo. When the guy that you should have signed was right there and you wouldn't have spent so much money. You would have kept Chalaba and you would have signed Sandro. It's like this team, it, it doesn't, they don't have any, they, they negotiate with the paper that's right in front of them and they pursue it to the end. Then they push that, that negotiation off the table and now here comes the next one. I'll, I, I know it may not be the, the best, um, it may not be the best analogy, but it's the one that I always go to. I will not understand. There is no player that Chelsea can sign realistically that's bigger than LeBron James is to basketball and is to the LA Lakers. If LeBron James's con- uh, contract can get negotiated, signed, and done within 24 hours, I will not understand why Chelsea can't sign players nowhere near LeBron James' caliber in less time than that even let's call it four times the amount of that there's no reason why we take five weeks to sign a player to look at a player when it should take at most let's let, let's call it a week if we take a week to sign a player to negotiate to bring it a week how many how many weeks there are in the transfer window eight I mean, it's two months, right? It closes in June. It closes. It opens in May, at the end of May, beginning of June. June, July, beginning of... That is nine weeks, ten weeks. Yeah. If it takes you one whole... If it takes you one whole week to negotiate on one player, you should be able to bring in ten guys. Bring in ten guys, yeah. ship out ten guys. Realistically. I mean, ten is maybe a bit over the top, um, but I get I get your point. Okay, so um, let's, I mean, let's say it's not ten. Let's say it's five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know much about basketball. Um, I mean, I know how basketball works, but I don't know about how transfers work there. I mean, I know about drafting and stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's like I don't know how well the comparison works. Yeah. Because at the same time, in football, it's not like we're the only club in football in you know soccer that takes a long time to get transfers done if we were the only one i'd agree but we're not the only one are we like it's yeah, basically every club that wants to sign big players are taking their time i mean it took liverpool like over six months to sign van dyke they wanted him you know in the summer and the they summer ended up and got him, him in january, january 31st so yeah it's like it, it we're not the only club that it takes a long time to get their signings done i mean how long i've have Real Madrid been after Courtois realistically? I mean, I'm not sure how seriously they've been after him um, for a while, but they've certainly been after him. Or the Haya. <laughs> the only oh, reason yeah, yeah. The he fax isn't machine. at Real Madrid is because they don't know how a fax machine works. So it's like, I mean, who even uses fax machines still? Have you heard of a, of a bloody computer yet? <laughs> I mean, what are you doing? Just take a picture with your phone and send it. It's yeah. like not that hard, really. But <laughs> whatever. 
<laughs> besides the point. But it's like, you know, it, if we were the only club to take long for things, I would certainly agree with you, but we're not. But at the same time, it still could work quicker and it should work quicker in a lot of instances. And like I said, you know, about Alexander, I couldn't agree more. I mean, of course, um, Alexander didn't have the greatest of seasons last season, now after we wanted him, but yeah. still better than Alonso and Emerson. But I mean, we, we, can, we can't touch on it. Like, Alonso is not a left back. Alonso should never ever play at left back again because he's back. slower than bloody John Terry right now is. And yeah. um, someone like that should not play a left back. And I don't care what anyone says, he could be the greatest defender in the world if we. Um, if we. I lost my, 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 my strength. If we, like, even John Terry in his prime would not have been a good left back. He still would have been a great defender, but he would still have been too slow to be a left back. Yeah. And for the exact same reason is why Alonso shouldn't play a left back. He might very well be slightly better at quite a few things than Emerson is. Might very well be the case. I wouldn't necessarily agree, but possibly. But Emerson is so much quicker, and a left back needs to yeah. be quick, especially yeah. in a salary system where the, the fullbacks overlap and Marcus Alonso is not quick enough to overlap in time. Yeah. And even if he would be for that, he's certainly not quick enough to be back in time to defend when needed. Yep. Well, you're. It is looking like. Um, that in this system, I mean, you have the center backs crossing over the halfway point, uh, halfway of the pitch, um, in possession when 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 they're pressing high up like that. But it's looking like every play, every defender needs to have enough stamina and quickness to be able to be in a full sprint multiple times a game from halfway back. Oh yeah. yeah. If you can't do that, then we we we, we can't like. That's that's where the conversation starts. If you can't do that, then I don't know how much more than we can converse about you playing in this position. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think Alonso has the stamina. He just doesn't have the pace. He doesn't have the pace. So if you don't have either or, then what yeah. are we what are we talking about here? Like, wh- exactly. where are we going? You know. So I I don't know, man. Like I again, like I did not want to break off into that this part of the frustration, inventing my frustrations. A, so early into speaking with you, and B, when it's still, or, I mean, real, we still have time, so I unless Chelsea's board finds some magical, you know, clock or something, and they just start tossing money, they, they and, it, and another thing too, every, every, uh, after every summer transfer window, every, in January, we start seeing reports of Roman finally going to release this magical war chest of cash that he's going to reinvest into the team. Uh, we're not putting a stadium, so that means that all this money that Roman wasn't going to invest into the stadium, he's going to put it into the team. And I've, and, and and the more those reports come out, Chelsea's like, oh, yeah, watch this. And the, the more they delay and slow down and bring in transfers. So I, I don't understand. But we still got... Let, I mean, the the one thing I do want to slightly mention, as in kind of giving Chelsea not an excuse, but maybe a reason, is the whole political drama that, or the political issues that Roman Abramovich certainly is going through. And um, that certainly might be hindering us in our transfer activity. It might be slowing things down. You know, I'm not a political expert, especially on UK and Russia um, politics. So I'm not going to comment on it too much. I'm just saying it could, you know, have, you know, it could, be a reason for some of the things. Um, the other thing I want to say is because you said, you know, we have time two days. Yeah, but do we? Do you know I, what I mean? Exactly, exactly. Yes, we do have two days to sign players, but then none of them will 
still be ready for the start of the season. Yep. Like even Which with is the Saturday. stupid, even with yeah, exactly. Even with the World Cup, why is the Premier League starting on Saturday? This is stupid. Why is the Premier League not starting two weeks later? It makes no sense whatsoever. Yep. The La Liga and the, and, and the Serie A are starting a week later, even though they have the same amount of games and they both have a winter break. The Premier League doesn't have a winter break and has the same amount of games, but has to start a week early. BT and Sky Sports are ruining everything. They're making it more likely for injuries. They're putting down the quality of football because these players, the top players that did well in the World Cup, don't have enough of a preseason. I mean, look at Hazard. He will be in training for five days before the start of the Premier League. That is ridiculous. And he's expected to start this Saturday. He's expected he, to start this he Saturday. Must start. Of course he will. You know? I mean, probably anyway. Five days. So that's. Even though he seems a little bit like, I'm not going to say overweight, but. Considering he's a professional athlete, athlete, he doesn't look as fit as he does during the season. So he will take a few weeks, you know, a month or one and a half he's to actually get to his being. full potential. Exactly. He's still a it's human f- being. It's like. I mean, it, it's a completely different discussion why the Premier League starts so early, but it pisses me off anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, it all goes one and the same. And, and again, I, I don't want anybody to listen to this and think that I hate the club or anything like that. I, I. I fucking love this club. I mean, oh, but exactly. If we if we if we didn't care about the club, we wouldn't be annoyed. I mean, I, I mean, secret time. All right, secret time. This is between Lorenzo. This is between me, you, and just me and you. A dream of mine is to go to Stamford Bridge to walk down Fulham Road. And last night, while I was, you know, before I went to bed, I was on my laptop, and I went on Google Maps, and I just started walking, you know, quote unquote, walking down Fulham Road. And I swear to God, I started, I started tearing up, man, thinking about like actually doing it, cause there's a chance that I might. And there's a video that I watch on YouTube where this guy does a vlog, um, and he goes to the game for the first time, and he's like, yeah, like excited, but his video makes me feel like it's my first time going to Stamford Bridge, and I don't, like. If I didn't love that club, if I didn't love this club the way that I do, I wouldn't have these reactions. So what I'm saying is not because I hate the club. It's because I deeply love the club. And it frustrates me and it pains me to see people that, that, that have all the power in the world to do things the right way. Not. If the club is not, does not consider themselves, and it doesn't matter if they are winning Champions League or they're getting, <coughs> excuse me, relegated every single year, and 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 we, you know, and they're in the ninth division. They're one of the worst teams on planet Earth. I'll still support this club. I will still feel the same way about this club. I mean, they'll struggle a bit because it probably won't be on TV anymore. <laughs> but. I would have to, I would have to Google uh, all their games. But you know, if, if hypothetically, God forbid, we are in a situation that Sunderland's in. Or find themselves in. I will still Let, support. Let's not even talk about these depressing things. <laughs> you know, but what I'm trying to illustrate is that I would, I would still support the team. So it pains me that these people in the board that are working, you know, at the club day in day out, they're actually receiving a paycheck, not the players. That they, that they are. It seems like they're just being careless. Like they, they don't. They don't understand what they're doing and, 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 their, and the, the effects that it has. If they don't consider themselves good enough or their aspirations are not to win the Champions League, well, 
their plans should reflect that. We have a guy in Eden Hazard that can bring tons of money in. It would pain me to see Eden Hazard leave. I do not want to see him leave. But if the club can sell him and use him as an asset to reinvest into the team, bring in youngsters, and we become a selling club, then I, I, I'm forced to, to support that. You know, it would hurt, but I, I, I would be like, well, you know what, it is what it is. I, I'm riding and dying with this club. But they're not doing that. It, 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 it's just, you know, and so ultimately what I want to say is that it's, I, I, I feel this way, and, I, and, and my response is because I love this club so much. And I don't know, it's just right now it's not looking like, I don't know, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I pray that I'm wrong. But I just have a sneaking suspicion we're going to wake up Friday. I'm going to wake up Friday, and not a damn thing has happened. There's been a panic buy, maybe. I mean, I, I don't I mean, I'm not even confident in panic buys because at the very minimum, I, I, panic buys worth note. Because, I mean, it's one thing to panic by David Luiz. It's another thing to panic by Papi Di Labaji, like, and, and Matt Miazga. Like, but, <laughs> but, like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, there's no reports. Like, if for anybody listening to this and you think we're going to get Fakir, we're going to get, uh, who's the other name that's being taught? Martial. I mean, Zaha is in Crystal Palace. That's in London. So, I mean, whatever. But if you think we're going to get any of these guys, Bailey, their representatives would be in London. They would be. They would have been spotted. Somebody would have seen somebody in London in Cobham, or there would have been. There's none of that. So I'm expected to believe that with two days left, that all of a sudden that's gonna turn up. Like, no. I I just don't. I don't see it happening. I'm sorry. I don't see it happening. I hope it happens, but I don't see it happening. So. Lorenz, I, I did I know I know your time is short. I didn't want to keep you long and I didn't want to bring you on here just so I can just, you know, spill my guts and rant, you know? <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> my man. What where do we go from here? What what do you see us how do you we look into your crystal ball and talk to me. Where do we go from here? What do you see happening? Do you mean this season? Or? This season. This season. Transfer deadline days closes Thursday. Our first game is Saturday against Huddersfield. All right. So let's start with transfer deadline day. Um, we're going to sign a goalkeeper. I'm not sure whether we're going to sign Jack Butlin. Then I'm going to have to jump out of a window if we're going to sign anyone good. <laughs> but we're going to sign a goalkeeper. I'm sure of that. We have to. We're not going to start with Caballero and Rob Green. Let's be honest. Like, we're idiots, but we're not that stupid. Yeah. Um, I think we, I think we'll get a centre midfielder. At the moment, it looks like it might be Kovacic. I mean, I get your point of saying representatives could be seen, but at the end of the day, if you land in like a first-class thing in a, with a private jet in London, and then you get into a van and then you get out inside a garage, a Cobham, no one's really going to see you, are they? And they're blacked out sure. windows. So, I mean, I'm not saying that's necessarily the case, but or Marina, you know, she apparently went to Milan. I mean, nothing happened in Milan, but she apparently went there anyway. So, shopping. It was a shopping yeah, exactly. Trip. I mean, who doesn't need a few new handbags? <laughs> but especially um, the ones that she's buying. I mean, those handbags exactly. that she's buying are not cheap. It's probably like Roman. So here you go, Marina. He has 40 million. You can buy <laughs> this guy. Oh, shit. Just so spent all her handbags. God. So. 
Um, but actually, yeah. sorry, um, I actually think that the season is going to go a lot better than you think right now. No, no, no. I, I, I'm confident we're going to definitely finish top six. I, I'm 100% oh, no, sure Top six that. is not good enough. I'm yeah. confident we'll finish top four. I'm 100% sure of that. Um, I'm pretty well, what, what sure. What more do you want? Well, no, no, no. Well, if I have to break it down like this, I'm 100% sure we're finishing top six. I'm pretty sure we finished top four. I have, I don't know. Like, early in this transfer window, I was certain we were finishing top three. I don't, I can't, I don't even feel confident in that anymore. I, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter whether you finish third or fourth. At yeah, the end of the day, it's true. quite irrelevant. It's true. Um, Either you're first or you're second, third or fourth or you're fifth or sixth. I'd, like that's to me, fifth and sixth is the same, and second to fourth is the same. Um, it, like because it does, there's no difference. Yeah. Um, but I think I think it's going to be fine. I mean, yes, okay, we might struggle at the start. We will definitely struggle not to do with transfers, but or not only to do with transfers, but because the system, the change of system will take time. Um, but I think overall we'll be all right. I think I think it won't be as bad as some of us are fearing i think it won't be as bad as because i i know, I know what you know obviously what we all just talked about i have these moments and days as well and it's like what the fuck are we doing and nothing's going right and then half an hour later i'm like ah, it's gonna be fine um it just changes like i i, I think we're gonna be fine i hope i really hope that we're not gonna loan out loftus cheek again really hope that we will not do that um because i think he deserves to play because i actually think that he's he was the best when he played the best non-defensive English player at the World Cup, even though Harry Kane scored six goals, because all he did was score penalties and get shot at by Ruben Loftus-Cheek himself. So yeah. um, I think Loftus-Cheek, when he played, was the best non-defender and goalkeeper that England had. Okay, I, Jordan I Henderson, you could make a claim because he was okay. But I think Loftus-Cheek deserves that. If you do that in a World Cup, I think you deserve to play and you deserve a chance. I hope that he will start tonight, obviously in a friendly against Lyon. Um, hopefully Loftus-Cheek will start in that and impress Sarri. Um, but obviously we'll have to wait and see. And of course, I mean the the best the best thing about this season so far, preseason stuff is Kalamatsu Nadoi. He's staying with us. He's not going loaned out. He's an absolute god in my opinion. He's 17 years old. He's better than I don't know, better than William has ever been in his life. Yep. <laughs> um, even though I don't even dislike William that much. Um, but yeah, no, Kalamatsu Nadoi is amazing. Um, we still we still need to figure out the defensive and midfield cohesion, the attacking and midfield cohesion. Because like we touched up on, on Louise a, a tiny bit earlier when, you know, I think the reason Louise looked very bad is because there was no cohesion with the defensive midfield. And also you have to remember that that team, those back four, Azpilicueta, Rüdiger, David Louise and Alonso, only played together ever for 60 minutes. You can't expect a back four that has only played together for 60 minutes to deal with Manchester City. Yeah. And there will always be one that looks worse than the other. Because to me, David Luiz's mistakes were very similar to Rüdiger's mistakes for the first goal. Like, no, but no one has an issue with Rüdiger. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I don't really understand that. Because Rüdiger just tried to predict where Aguero is going to go, got it wrong, and then, you know, he couldn't do anything about it anymore. So I, I think all of that will come with time. I mean, obviously, the main reason why David Luiz is a starter, seems to be a starter for the start of the season, is because of his ability to play it out from the back. And that is important to Sarri's system. And to get the defensive shape right, that will take a little while, fair enough. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, see, 
people always criticize me and call me a little bit of a hypocrite because at the start of a reign of a manager i will always go no you have to trust the manager at the same <laughs> time like why 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 is the idiot starting alonso not emerson <laughs> yeah so and i get why people call me a hypocrite for it and i probably am a hypocrite for it but i'm like because david luis like pace isn't some isn't an opinion pace is fact yeah ability is to an extent is a manager's opinion to what a manager needs but a left back having pace you just need that there's no debate that oh boy all right so again once again this is the all-american chelsea podcast and it wouldn't be my podcast without an interruption of some sort whether it's dogs barking kids crying uh, my, my dogs are stepping on top of my son's T-Rex toy. I got a T-Rex roaring in the background. It wouldn't be my podcast without something. Unbelievable. My wife just got home. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Hold on a second. Quiet! Jesus! Uh, Lorenzo, can, can, you, can you just give me a tiny second so I can go to the toilet, man? Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> Take your time, man. Take your time. Oh, boy. So, tonight we are... All right, people. It's just me and you. So, let's look in... Let's see any news that's coming up. While we take a break, so PSG, ESPN, PSG unlikely to sign France international N'Golo Kante from Chelsea this summer. Duh. He wasn't going anywhere to begin with. Um. All right, so let's look. Chelsea turn to Kepa. I cannot say his last name, but let's try. Arizabalaga. Sounds about right. Club weighs up options to replace Thibaut Courtois. Why are we replacing T weighing options two days before the window closes for Thibaut Courtois? Next thing, Hazard backs fantastic loftish cheek for Chelsea roll. I mean, he should be given a chance from the begin with. What's up, love? How are you? Lorenz is using the restroom right now. We're in a break. Oh boy. Manuel Pellegrini hunting Premier League winner as West Ham chase season-long loan deal. <coughs> Chelsea set to sign Croatian international Mateo Kovacevic on loan from Real. Chelsea lineup Jack Butlin as Tibor Courtois' replacement. Fucking hell. Who said that? All right, so I'm on. Um, I was now that you're back. While you were gone, I was reading. Um, just some news and here's the latest news the newest one was posted two hours ago so Chelsea turned to Kepa um, that was two hours ago Hazard backs fantastic Loftus cheek three hours ago Pellegrini hunting Premier League winner as West Ham chase season long loan deal uh, Chelsea that was four hours ago Chelsea set to sign Croatian international Mateo Kovacevic from loan four hours ago and Chelsea line up Jack Butlin as Tibor Courtois replacement if Belgian leaves Blues five hours ago. From I love how they still use the word if. <laughs> if, again, you know what? Like I, I. Tibor has a lot to blame, 
in this, but no, he has all the blame. If you don't turn up for training when the club tells you to be to to turn up for training, then you're a dickhead, in my opinion. Yeah, fine. Yeah, and and, and yes, he's a dickhead. However, the club knew this was gonna happen. Wait, are we back to recording or not? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I never stopped. Oh, I never stopped. The train keeps going, my man. Oh, okay. We sorry. never stopped. <laughs> so, you know, like, I mean, if you want, I could cut it out, but. Um, nah, fine with me. Done. We're keep going. So, you know, like, the team knew. And if they didn't know 100%, let's say the team didn't know 100% sure if Tebow was staying or going. However, they should have had a plan in place. There should have been a plan B in place. The plan B should not be coming to light or should be being worked on two days before the window closes. I mean, I feel like I'm talking in circles again. Like, I'll always okay. circle back to the club not having a plan in place. Oh, of course. No, I agree with that. But at the end of the day, it's about Courtois wanting to force a move. And I don't like people wanting to force a move because if you're under contract, you're under contract and that's it. Like, and if, you know, then you shouldn't have signed such a long-term contract a few yeah. years ago. I mean, that's really your own problem then. But to not turn up, that's just ridiculous. We should sue him. We should fine him. We should make him rot with the reserves. I don't even care. Like I said in the beginning. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. But no, no, no. I still find it funny how they mean to say if Courtois leaves. I mean, is anyone really thinking he's gonna stay? Like, what are we gonna do with him? <laughs> Except I mean, make bench because we don't want to use someone like that. Let's be honest. You, you don't know, want that in your team. No, 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 absolutely not. I mean, hell, like, who knows? What if you know two weeks of this and he sits down? I mean, the same thing happened with with Costa. Well, no, not really. But we have another Costa situation. He pouts for. Tebow pouts for two, three weeks, and then you know has a conversation with Sari, have a conversation with his girlfriend, his family situation. Chelsea present him with a massive contract, and you know how money changes things. And magically, he sees the light, and he wants to stay. But that doesn't give me confidence that we're not going to be down this road again two years from now, three years from now with him. Exactly, and that's the thing, because he did a similar thing at Genk a number of years ago. What makes you think that he wouldn't just do the same thing next year or two years of time again? Because Hazard wants to leave or wanted to leave, but he just accepted that the club didn't want him to leave and he still has a contract. So he turned up to training. He said he's still going to give his best. Hopefully, we're going to make enough signing. Hopefully, he's going to enjoy playing on the salary. Hopefully, we're going to be successful that he's even going to end up signing a, a new deal. Hopefully, that's the aim. If not, we might sell him next summer. We might lose him on a free in two years' time. Who knows? But he accepted that he's not going to be sold, and he dealt with it. He's moving on. He's working hard in training. He looks happy on social media, at least. And that's all you can ask for. And that's what I asked for from Tivo Courtois. Until we sell him, you turn up, you do what's your job, because you're being paid a lot of fucking money for it. Yeah. And you don't just decide to go AWOL and um, stay in, in Belgium just because you fancy it. That's not how it works. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, Lorenz. You have anything else? I mean, well, we didn't finish with the season. I mean, you you, you believe that we're gonna finish top four? Yes. I I I'm pretty sure we're gonna finish top four. I'm pretty I, sure. I would like to say that we're gonna win the Europa League, but that depends on who finishes third in the Champions League, you know, games and you know which other opponents we're gonna face along the way. But of the teams that are in the Europa League right now, I wouldn't be surprised if we won the Europa League. Yeah. 
I mean, and then we're on a report just came out that we're supposed we're looking at uh talking to opening talks with Fakir's people or you know Leon's that, people. That, that's something I want to talk about, yeah, because he's Go a good it. player and he's a very highly rated player. But I don't see the point in signing Fakir because he's not going to play on the wing. Okay, we, we, we it looks like we're keeping William and Pedro anyway, so that's irrelevant. Yeah. But to me, okay, he is a cam, a central attacking mid. But he's a central attacking mid converted from striker, which he used to be. And in Sarri's 4-3-3, okay, the Hamshik role that it was at Napoli is more attacking, but it's not really a cam. It's still a centre midfielder. Yes, yeah. he plays attacking, but it's not a full-on centre attacking mid. Of course, maybe Fekir can be turned into that as well. But I feel like signing a player for a lot of money, which Fekir will certainly cost, to kind of hope that he can be turned into what we need, I think that's a bit of a questionable thing to do, in my opinion. I don't, but uh, I, that mentality I'll never understand. It's not like there is a shortage of midfielders that can play in well, sorry system. Oh, you mean in the world or at the club? Yeah, in the world. In the world. Okay. I mean, even at the, uh, I mean, club, whatever. There's, there's plenty of midfielders. It's not like there's no midfielders that could play in sorry system. You know? Now, granted, I, I, I make, I'm taking a very narrow stance, but. Let's explore those options before we think about sign. And it's not like he's coming for free. If he was coming for free or cheap, I'd say, ah, whatever. But yeah. we're paying him good money. We're going to pay have to pay Leon good money, and then we're going to have to pay him good money. When Just take that money and go and turn your attention somewhere else. Like I mean, the thing is, obviously, would we get any of those other players that you were mentioning? You know? Yeah, that's, Do, yeah I, I mean, I, I hear you. I hear you. Obviously, we, we don't know about this conversation within the club. Does Sari want Fekir? If Sari wants Fekir, go for it. If Sari doesn't want Fekir, what are we doing? Um, so that's obviously the situation. Just because I don't understand, you know, there's a reason why I'm not manager of Chelsea and Absolutely. there's a reason why Maurizio Sari is. So um, if he wants him, go for it. If he thinks he can turn him into a great player for us, I'm all for it. Um, but Conte thought he was going to turn Bakayoko into a great player for us, and that really didn't work out, did it? So, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I'm always going to... My default is, one... Um, if I didn't, I'm gonna make this clear. Maurizio Sarri and the people working for Chelsea. Let's be honest. I, I, me, in my opinion, these, you know, I may suggest and my may look at things that may pain, be painfully obvious from the outside, but I don't know what's happening within those four walls. No, nobody knows except the people that are actually within those four walls and have direct connection. To what's going on inside of those inside inside of the building mm, yeah those people who are within the, the building also have a greater knowledge of how football works than i'll ever have so i i i don't want to make it seem like i'm criticizing that and, and suggesting that i would do better i just have questions like help me understand why we are taking this line in business and negotiations as opposed to this line. Because somebody like me, who has zero knowledge of how the business of, uh, of football works, shouldn't be making observations that seem painfully obvious. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know how to do brain surgery. And, so, and, now, and now think how Sunderland fans must feel. <laughs> I mean, then again, I mean, sometimes, sometimes that, well, Jesus Christ. 
But like, like I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be suggesting to a doctor how to perform brain surgery. You know, I, I should be sitting back and just receiving and listening. Oh shit! Like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But why don't you remove the head completely off and then work on the brain? You know, from there. No, no, no. You shouldn't. You know, like, I, I, you know, I shouldn't be making those observations and making any suggestions. I should be receiving. But like, it just seems like. I'm making suggestions, and, and I'm not the only one on Twitter, on Reddit, on various message boards. You see these comments of people making observations that are painfully obvious, and the club doing the exact opposite. It's like, why? You know? Yeah, because it is easy to say things like, oh, the club, they, they know what they're doing. They know more than us because they're proving the opposite, you know, on a consistent basis. Um, but at the end of the day, what can we do? I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're just going to have to deal with it. One thing I wanted to bring up is Go for it. Um, the kind of like dead wood that we need to get rid of. Because especially if we're going to sign someone like Kovacic, especially if we're going to sign someone like Fakir, um, because I, I don't really believe in the Fakir rumors, I do think that the Kovacic might very well happen. Um, but we need to get rid of Bakayoko, sell him or loan him, I don't care, loan him out if, if, if that's what we think is best. We need to sell them drink water, we need to sell Sapacosta, we need to... You know, there's so many players that we need to get rid of, and Gary that will Cahill. open up... Gary Cahill. I mean, I, I don't really mind Gary Cahill because I'm like, Zuma is not the player he was before his injury, so I'm like, I wouldn't be all too confident in having him if, say, two of our players are injured or uh, suspended or whatever. So I'm not saying Kale is great, but um, I feel like he's been around long enough. So you you could kind of do with a person like Kale, not starting him, but be around. I think that's not that bad. Um, yeah. But we, we there's players that we need to get rid of, and you get a good 25, 30 million for the drink quarter. You get if we sell him Bakayoko, probably around 35 million for him. You can get make money on these, and then you basically have all the money in that you need to sign Kepa if you want to. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. There's like. Like, if if we if it, a, a plan should have been in place if Tebow were to leave, and yeah. it should have been discussed whether it's possible we we should you know for him to send him to to Real Madrid, uh, not Real Madrid, uh, Atletico Madrid, you know I I shouldn't be seeing reports that oh we're considering sending uh oh bringing in old block for like I shouldn't be seeing that this so close that should have been you know discussed if it's possible you know that's the I, issue is it possible to discuss things with Courtois I mean he doesn't return to, he doesn't turn up to training to have the planned discussions with Sari that he was meant to have so maybe it just wasn't possible to have discussions with him but my <laughs> question then is what are we doing discussing these type of things this point into the transfer season you know what I'm saying like no, no, I mean, maybe, I, maybe it was possible earlier maybe he just refused and said I will speak to you after the World Cup kind of thing you never know. I, it's true. It's true. I mean, I, I, I mean, I just, I, I don't, I don't know, Lorenzo. Like, I think I, I completely agree with you. And like I said earlier, I have these phases where I'm very critical, and then I have these phases where I'm like a bit more understanding. And at the end of the day, I'm just like, I mean, the fact that we've kept Kante and Hazard from what it looks like because we're not going to sell them after our window has shut, that is huge, and that massive. is. That is very well done by the club, in a sense. Although I say very well done, we just refused, you know, offers <laughs> really. So. Very good club. Good job on saying no. <laughs> exactly. 
once once all of those has signed a new deal then i can say very very well done but you also have to kind of view the likes of bachuai if he stays the likes of emerson the likes of um, obviously jorginho as well and a lot of players you kind of have uh, hudson odoi possibly tammy abraham you kind of have to see them as new signings because under sari and under conte is going to be so much different especially for attacking players as to how they could work in our system. Even Hazard, William, Pedro. I think Hazard will make such a huge step up from what he was on a Conte Mourinho to what he can be and will be on a Sarri. I think that will be such a big difference that it's basically like new signings. So, of course, we need, we could do with signings, but Sarri is known for making players a lot better. So, just because we're maybe not all too happy with, I don't know, David Luiz in the first game, Barkley, Loftus-Cheek, you know, just because we're not that happy with them, don't forget, he's only been with some of those players for three weeks, some of yeah. them for only a week. And I think what Sari can get out of players, a lot of people underestimate that. A lot of, uh, not, uh, not, not a lot of players, a lot of people underestimate that. I think he can get a lot more out of these players. I still think that Barkley lacks end product. I think Barkley uses his body well, he's quite quick. He needs to get his decision-making better. He needs to, you know, just improve in a lot of things. But I'm not saying that's an impossible feat for him on the Sari. So I think there's a lot of positives. And I think the positives for the fact that Sari and for the fact that we got Jorginho basically under Man City's noses. Yeah. I think there's so many, so many positives coming through there that kind of outweighs the negatives. The only main negative I have is if we don't sign a good enough replacement for Thibaut Courtois. Yeah. Other than that, okay, yes, Morata might not be perfect, but Chouai will have to wait and see how, how he works in Asari and midfield will also have to wait and see. But except with the Courtois situation, I don't think it's all horrible. Just because I, I put a lot of trust in Sari, that might be proved wrong. That could be proved, you know, I could be proved right on that. We'll have to wait and see, but I think right now it's like figure out the goalkeeper situation. Otherwise, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. To me. Well, my man Lorenz, I got to get to lunch, and um, this has been a fantastic time talking to you. Anything other, any other points you want to bring up? No, I'm good. Really enjoyed it. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah. All right, all right, all right. That was my conversation with the main man from 100% Chelsea. Well, he, he's one of the main men. I mean, all the guys over there um, are awesome. And but Lorenz is the one that we all turn to after the matches that he gives us the match reviews and <clears throat> Jesus Christ now we got Lennox drinking water Lennox is my pit bull hold on dude I swear every single this wouldn't be my podcast without an interruption of some sort so and he's just cleaned his mouth alright so yeah, he's the one we always turn to to the review. Now, there's something that he brought up, and if you noticed in the beginning of the conversation, I brought up with him, and when I was speaking to Joe, I brought it up, Joe Tweedy, on the fourth episode of the podcast. There was something I brought up with the both of them, and that was how did they get started doing what they're doing? And Joe, he's not... A professional scout or anything like that the man has a full-time job Lorenz he's not a professional youtuber where he dedicates a hundred hours a day he is to my knowledge he, I think he's still in school he's still a student but the point I'm trying to make he's he doesn't do this 
he doesn't do YouTube all day every day. Um, me, I am currently recording this on my lunch break. Um, I have my own business. On my lunch break, the, the conversation I had with him, I blocked out some time in my day, came home, spoke to Lorenz, finished it up with him, ate a sandwich in in a second, went right back to the office. The point I'm trying to make is that we're doing this, we're doing what we do for love, you know, love for the club. Uh, everybody may have different aspirations. I definitely am pushing hard. Um, I have my goals that I want to achieve with this podcast so that I can do it full time. But the point I'm trying to make is that you got to hustle, you got to grind, you have a dream, you have to go after it, you know, if I can trust me one day, um, maybe I, there's going to be a podcast where I'm not going to talk about Chelsea, I'm going to talk to you about where this podcast grew from, um, and it's not a place where you might think, you know, the time of my life where this podcast got going was a you know, maybe a spot that most people would, A, never even think about that somebody, you know, I would be in or anything like that. Not even to say that I'm anybody special, but uh, not not to say that I'm anybody special, but, you know, it wasn't happy times creating this podcast. Lorenz, if he goes to school, if he's a student which I, I'm pretty sure he is, you know, or whatever he does, what he does, it's not like he has all day dedicated, and, and he's, you know, Joe, same thing. So the point I'm trying to make is if you have a dream, go after it. You're going to have to suffer. You're going to have to suffer without the ball. You're going to have to suffer without the ball. But there's other people um, that are doing what they want to do and, you know, fulfilling a dream. So, if I can do it, if they can do it, if others can do it, you can too, alright? So, that's it. I'm going to hit you guys back up. We will talk again this Friday. Um, I have a special guest lined up for you guys on Friday. I'm going to be recording tomorrow, so if you check my Twitter, AllAmericanCFC, um, you'll see who the special guest is. I'll thank them for coming on the podcast. And then you'll hear it on Friday. I'm hoping uh, this guest comes through. Uh, quite honestly, this person is very busy right now, especially with transfer deadline day coming tomorrow. So there's a chance that even though we agreed to do the podcast, there's a chance that they may not come on. Because like I said, it, at this point, they're super, super, super busy. I, I can only imagine. So... As soon as I get confirmation um, from that person, it should be dope. It's somebody that you guys have been asking for to get on this podcast. You're going to love it. Also, yesterday, I couldn't believe it. I emailed, you know what, in 2018, I was talking to a good friend of mine. And he, we were, you know, he's he does his own thing. Um, and we're constantly checking in with each other. And kind of giving each other motivation, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you could do it, keep doing what you're doing, man. You're going to succeed. And same thing he does for me. 
And this term has been coming up in 2018 a lot. You got to shoot your shot. You got to shoot your shot. Well, a few weeks back, I'm getting all my guests together for August. I look at a team, and I look at all the teams that we're playing, and I start reaching out to people who I think that you guys would love to hear a conversation with. And I, you know, email these people, email these people, and some have given me a response and others have not. However, this dude hit me back up and I cannot wait. If he hit me back up and he said, hey, if you want me on the podcast, I'll be more than happy to come on. Right now we're just ironing out whether it's going to be for a match preview or a match review. I'm crossing my fingers that it's a match review because it's going to be absolutely insane. I cannot wait for you guys. I can't. First, let's get it over the line. Let's hope that he comes onto the podcast. If he comes onto the podcast, it, it it's going to be insane. You guys are going to absolutely love it. You know 100% who this person is. I, I can't. I don't want to say too much. I don't want to say too much. And I'm not gassing you guys either. If this person does not come on. I'll let you know who who the, I went back and forth with the email exchange. But I hope, I hope this person comes on because it's going to be an awesome podcast. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. I can't wait for it to happen and, and, and you guys get to hear it. So that's it. That's all I got for today. Um, transfer deadline day closed. The window closes tomorrow. Uh... I hope we get who we get. Um, I hope we get who we get and we sign who we sign and we can move forward because if we do end up signing the players that we're going after, then shit, we're in for a big season. We're in for a big season. And you know what? Like one, I would love to talk to two guys right now. After this window closes, I would like to sit down and just pick and just and just be a fly on the wall when Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte see who, you know, who we signed, who we ended up signing and ask them, like, like, how do you feel? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you feel like? You guys came in with all the trophies in the world, and here comes Sari. And Roman is backing us, or is potentially about to back us like he's never had before. A man, Sari has zero trophies. You guys have all the trophies, and look at us now. Get Sari's getting exactly what you guys wished for. Um, I would love to ask him that question. But anyways, I gotta head back to the office. Guys, you know what it is. You guys are my family. I absolutely fucking love you, each and every single one of you. Thank you so much for the positive feedback. Thank you guys so much for reaching out to me. All the likes on Twitter, all the retweets, all the followers. Thank you so much. This is episode, should be episode five. No, this is episode six, 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 five, five. This is episode five. It should be episode eight because I lost... Episode 8, episode 7, because I lost two podcasts. So it should be episode 7. Um, 
but whatever that's neither here nor there um guys i love you i'm telling you vibe with me come with me on this journey please because i have plans for this podcast we're gonna it's only gonna get better from here episode 10 episode 20 i have points that i want to hit and i'm just testing it out i'm just testing everything out here um the amount of podcasts you're gonna get from me is about to jump up it's about to skyrocket i've already made a schedule uh i'm gonna bring you guys content that you want to hear um and that you enjoy hearing so come with me on this journey and let's see how far we can go together all right i love you have a great day i'll catch you guys later i'm out uh-uh, fuck that, eight doobies to the face, fuck that, 12 bottles in the case, nigga, fuck that, two pills and a half weight, nigga, fuck that, got a high tolerance when your age don't exist, man, I swear my nigga tripping off that shit again, pick him up, then I sit him in cold water, then I order someone to bring him Vicodin, hope they take the pain away from the feeling that he feel today, you know when you're part of section eight and you feel like no one can't relate, cause you are, you are, alone, alone, Marijuana in the office make you stronger, stronger I'm in the house party, tripping up my generation Sipping cough syrup like it's water Never no pancakes in the kitchen, man Not one of our lives is caught up in the daily superstition That the world is about the end Gives a fuck, we never do listen Unless it comes with an 808 A melody and some hoes Playstation and some drink Technology bump us up Looking around and all I see is a big crowd That's product of me and it probably relatives Relevant for a rebel drink Yep, her president is black, she black Purple label on her back, but that dab is like blue. So she take it straight to the head. Then she look at me. She got ADHD. Eight doobies to the face. Fuck that. Twelve bottles in the case, nigga. Fuck that. Two pills in the halfway, nigga. Fuck that. Got a high tolerance when your age don't exist. Like whoa, 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 whoa. She started And then she started feeling the stuff like no one else in this apartment Beg your pardon, oh I rap baby How old are you? She say 22, I say 23 Okay, then we all crack babies Damn, why you say that? She said, where my drink at? I'ma tell you later, just tell your neighbors And the police relax I stood up, shut the blind, closed the screen Jungle trying, made to the back where she reside Then she said, read between the lines Yep, hope that I get close enough when the lights turn down And the fact that she just might open up When a new foe start to drown Everybody in I know the both of us really deep in the mood now It's nothing we can do now Somebody walked in with a pound Up that Bay Area Kush She looked at me, then looked at it Then she grabbed it, then she said, get it understood You know why we crack babies Because we born in the 80s, that ADHD crazy Eight doobies to the face, fuck that Twelve bottles in the case, nigga, fuck that Two pills in the halfway, nigga, fuck that Got a high tolerance when your age don't exist Like, whoa, 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 whoa Don't gotta let me just give me some more credit Don't gotta let me just give me some more credit They always tell me ADHD Ecstasy, shrooms, blow, drop.